Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy, Irby, and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hey there. Welcome back to the Pulse Check Podcast. My name is Mandy. I'm Hee And today we have an awesome guest, Nurse Missy. And Nurse Missy is an RN, soul coach, and hope influencer. Hi, Missy. How are you? Hi, hi y'all. I'm well. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. So Hee Hee, you invited Nurse Missy to talk to her specifically about a video that you love on her TikTok page. Do you want to ask Nurse Missy a question about it in case you have to run off to your client? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, at the time that we are recording this, I have a medulla by career and have a mom that's in labor right now. I have a, a client that is having her baby. So if I need to jet, that's why. So Missy, welcome to the show. I am fangirling. I'm super excited <laughs> to talk to you about ways that we can rethink the nursing and the healthcare system. So one of the things that just caught my eye in one of your videos, you were talking about being in nursing school and you guys were having a conversation as a class and and your facilitator was talking to you about giving care to people who have different backgrounds than you, different religious views as you have walked a different life than you. And you spoke up and said, you know, well, in this situation, why wouldn't this person just accept the medical care? It's the right thing to do. And your facilitator said, right for who in this situation? Because your patient is clearly telling you it's not right for them. And that blew my mind. And so I want to hear about that. But that also made me think, how many times have you had these moments where you're like, wow, I could really reevaluate the care I'm given and the perspective I bring. We want to have these deep conversations about how do we better care, even if it is uncomfortable in changing our practice, in our thinking, in the way we act, et cetera? So that was my first year of clinical. And so it was all new to me. I had been in veterinary medicine for five years, but I had not been in human medicine. So it was all new to me. I was soaking up everything that I was learning and I loved it. And by the grace of God, I had some great instructors. And this particular instructor, man, she... Oh, she was amazing. <laughs> Funny story. She was actually, if y'all remember Shelby from Still Magnolias, mm-hmm. she was Shelby's diabetic teaching nurse. 
prior to yeah 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 so this is I was in this is Shreveport Louisiana but it was Northwestern State University and they just had great and and I knew going to that school I picked that school because I said if I'm gonna go to nursing I want to go to the best possible nursing school that I have access to and in the state North Louisiana at that time that was because I'm like when I come out of that this I want to know that I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know (laughs) as much as I possibly can, which was just amazing. Again, I was so new to it all. And this particular patient, and actually had happened several times where I just had to learn that my values and what I had been taught were not other people's values. And of course we were taught, you know, how to care for anybody of different cultures and religions and what was meaningful to them versus what, especially being raised in rural Louisiana and, you know, especially raised as a Christian and being, just having that awareness. So I think awareness is number one, having an awareness that there is so much more beyond your raising, your teaching, your upbringing, your religion, your culture, your color, your gender. And what I love what's happening in the collective right now is we're being challenged. People are being challenged to consider that maybe there is more than just this. Maybe there is more than just, I remember being raised in rural Louisiana and how people would look down on, you know, they would call them the mixed kids. You know, they had a black parent, a white parent, and that they just didn't know how to, they didn't know how to, they just didn't know what to do with it, you know? But what was so interesting to me as being raised in the church and being taught on Sunday that Jesus was our friend and Jesus loves all the little children but then going out into the world the other six days and seeing the contradiction Mm -hmm. from what I was learning with all these people and then seeing how they showed up in the week. And I just remember as a kid going, well, no, this don't make sense. Like, why, why is that? And so I was always just a curious kid. And I learned about bias and racism and sexism. And then I realized, oh, okay, well, this is why. But it always came down to just fear or ignorance. And those are, can be easily solved. You know, ignorance. Well, I don't know anything about your culture. Can you tell me about it? Also, world travel helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Traveling all around the world and seeing people in their element, seeing people just living their lives, going to grocery store, running around with their kids and seeing how they act and realizing they're no different. So just that awareness, that exposure. Awareness, I think, is everything. Because if we are aware of why we're biased, why we have those feelings, why we have the fear, Where's the lack of education? Where's the ignorance part? And then once we're aware of it and then change it and go, okay, well, this, this don't make sense. So how can I, how can I expand my, broaden my perspective? Where can I be more accepting in this space? Sometimes all I can do is just go, I'm not sure what to do with this. So what would love do? Mm -hmm. Well, love would just show up and be compassionate. That was one of the biggest, again, in my first year of nursing school and nursing clinicals, when you start getting those clinical classes, I'll never forget the book, like the first like big med surge book, you know, and it's all there and it's like, oh my God, but I loved it. I ate it up and I'll never forget in the first chapters talking about how one of the primary aspects of nursing was compassion and it gave the definition as compa- of compassion in that particular book as entering into one's pain and sitting with them. I was like, well, man, I can do that. I've been doing that my whole life. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. I was like, okay, cool. I'm qualified. I can do that. So even if I don't understand where you're coming from. And when my first, my first nursing job 
was working at LSU Shreveport, which was, had been a charity hospital. It was a state hospital, trauma, level one trauma center, but it was also where the poor people went because even though it had not, it was not charity anymore, it was just knowing you could go there and they wouldn't turn you away. So with that particular demographic, there were a lot of people that just were not educated and having so much compassion for people that just didn't know better Mm. and meeting, especially because I worked in women's health and I had very young women that would come in pregnant with multiple issues and just trying to show up with compassion because they were scared. They just didn't know. And just teaching them because I thought, man, I only get a little time with them. I only get a little time with them. Can I plant a seed that lets them know just because this is all you've been taught does not mean that that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And just taking advantage of any moment that I had with them. Cause I might only have them that shift. I might never see them again. So how can I show up with compassion, but also let them know this doesn't have to be your life. It doesn't have to be the end just because it's what your mother and your grandmother did. And that, and that's where they stopped with education and stopped dreaming and hoping doesn't mean it has to be true for you. You can absolutely have your baby and still finish school and go on beyond and do like, this doesn't have to be it. And just meeting everybody where they were and just showing up to them in whatever way they needed, but always just planting that seed to help them have greater awareness. Like, wow, this is all I see. And this is all I've seen. And this is all I know, but holy crap, maybe there's more. That's super important. Yeah. You said it in a way that's easy to understand and doable, except you're talking about a totally different nursing school than I went to. I mean, also, I think you were a different type of nursing student than I was because we had bias, the word bias in our textbook, but never did I ever sit with the word compassion and was that definition any stronger than or always stronger than what I was also hearing other nurses say and the ridicule and the judgment and the shaming that was brought up around me as well. And and the curiosity within kind of sometimes had that voice of, you know, what were they thinking or, you know, all those ugly things that were kind of sitting with and stewing over and hearing and we're seeing it in action inside of healthcare. It's really beautiful to hear if you just lead with love, what does that look like for you and your patients? Yeah, because what would love do in this situation? I might not understand why you're choosing what you're choosing, but but I don't have to. A nursing is just to nurse, to care. I was also a big fan of nursing history. And staying true to what nursing is, because in our lives, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, as a wife, as a, as a mother, as an employee, however you're showing up in your day, whatever role that is, we can come out of alignment with our truth. We can come out of alignment all the time. So whatever role you're in, it's important that you have something that centers you, something that grounds you, something that brings you back, especially in healthcare especially in healthcare. My God, we get caught up in the politics. We get Mm -hmm. caught up in the finances and the budget all the way down to like the petty coworkers. I mean, it's it's all over. So it's easy to forget who you are and what you're there for. So I always had this 
whenever those things would happen, I go, okay, what do I know to be true? How can I recenter? How can I come back into alignment so that I don't end up like them? And so that I always stay true to the mission. And so one of the ways I do that, and I talk about it all the time, it's just, I remember who I am and whose I am. And I always remembered who I worked for, which is God. I'm just showing up every day asking God, how can I serve? And whatever role that is, whatever name tag I'm wearing, whatever hat I'm wearing that day, God, how may I serve you? How may I serve love? How can I show up as love today? That's always my prayer first thing in the morning. And so if eight hours into the day, I'm angry, I'm irritated, I go, okay, what am I doing? Where am I serving here? What am I serving? Am I serving fear? Am I serving anger? Am I serving my patient? Am I serving God? So if I come back to center and go, okay, God, what do you, what would you have me do? And that always helped keep me in alignment to remember that I wasn't working for that manager, that unit manager, that, that nurse manager. It always helps. I'm showing up as an employee of this establishment, but please do not get it twisted when I tell you, when I tell you, I do not work for you. You sign my check. I work for God. And that helped keep me centered and aligned. So that I showed up with compassion and showed up and remember what I was there for, what I was there to do. Nursing is just one way in which I serve. I can also go, I can go anywhere and serve, but that's always my center is how am I serving in this moment? How am I serving today? That keeps, that helps keep it, keep you in alignment, but that's not everybody's intention. Right. Would you think it's most nurses intention? I don't know. I can't oh. say. I can't oh, say. There's so many nurses and there's so many that are in it for so many different reasons. Right. So uh, I did a really crappy job of introduction and Missy comes on here and doesn't know us. And she's like, sure. I'll talk to you guys for a while on your podcast. I'm so sorry about that. That's okay. We I'll talk to anybody. Girl. I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to the wall. Girl. Which it's makes it up. feel like it's safe. Fun. We'll just talk. I am a labor and delivery nurse, left the bedside in 2020, early 2020, right before the pandemic and just processing and kind of coming out of that and rediscovering who I am and finding this identity and things like that. Our audience here on the podcast is usually clinicians, healthcare professionals. Often also they are consumers of healthcare, as we all are, if we're in the U S we're consumers of U S healthcare, but some of our audience are not working in healthcare. And I still love that. I love that we're able to talk about these topics from a few perspectives. And also our audience is gaining information and insight for their, for their own perspective and their own journey. I do not align or relate with a religious, I have a religious back, like upbringing. I am not religious. So I hear you saying, or I ask, you know, what's my alignment? Who am I serving? Who do I work for? And I really love it, which if you know me in real life, I think my friends would like, look at me sideways and be like, what's she going to say about that? Is that total BS? I really related to one and you said something about how we are all one. And I was like, that's the shit I relate to. And so I encourage listeners to open up to and get curious as you teach. And as you talk about a lot about what's coming up when you're hearing these discussions on alignment and what feelings are coming up, because 
in my work with nurses, I think that nurses in particular, but I think healthcare professionals are, there's a disconnect between how we're feeling about what's happening and how we're thinking about what's happening and how we kind of close off our feelings often for safety reasons, to give space for our patients because we weren't taught otherwise. There's a lot of reasons for it, but I, I did not feel a closed off when you said I work for God, that is my boss, because I felt still totally connected to we are one and I'm here for love or the beliefs that I hold specifically about the work that I do. I believe nurses have, are in a unique position to change the world. I believe birth is tough and normal and changes culture. I believe it has wide outreach. I believe folks are more powerful often than they believe they are. And that will ever, I'll ever get to see. I believe I can learn from everybody. There's a few solid core things that during my journey of kind of awakening, like you said, we're having kind of a community awakening, global awakening, healthcare, professional awakening, all kinds of shifting going on. I think that's really helpful to, to help folks be like, no, 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 no. Just go inward for a second. Like, what are you doing here? And we can call that your own personal integrity. You can call that your higher self. Look, you know, I go by Missy, I go by nurse, I go by aunt. You can call me a lot of different things. I'm going to answer to all of them. I feel like when I talk about God, it's no different than somebody else talking about the universe. Somebody else might say my higher power. Somebody else might say my higher self. I feel like what I am referring to as God is going to answer to all those names doesn't yeah. matter what you call it. So when I say God, but I'm very careful, I don't, you know, I don't talk about religion. Right. Some people will hear the way I speak and be very triggered based on what they've been taught. But when I talk about Jesus, you can see I got Jesus, I got Mother Mary, I got my angels, but I also have Care Bears, Betty White, Strawberry Shortcake. Okay. So like all the forces of good, <laughs> balanced people. So when I talk about Jesus and Mother Mary and God, I'm talking about my personal relationship. Right. I'm talking about how I know them personally, not what a man-made construct society taught me, taught me to believe. Mm -hmm. Now that was the framework through which I was raised in, but I was also raised in a framework of racism. Right. I was raised in a framework of a lot of things, right. but then it was my choice as an adult to go, you know what? I'm not going to act out of that. I'm going to educate myself further. I'm going to try to figure out why people are so angry about this so that I can under try to understand why you're acting like that. Why you want me to act like that? Why you want me to believe that? What's your mode and then also go well what makes sense for me does it make sense for me to treat people of another race lesser does it make sense for me does it feel good no it feels like crap it makes me feel like yuck and yeah so again it's just that awareness and that being that having that spirit of willingness I left bedside seven years into nursing I left bedside but I left traditional nursing altogether several years ago because what I was seeing when I left traditional nursing bedside nursing it was because I did not like the politics first of all y'all got me can I say the f word yep y'all got me fucked up when you want me to call it a client and not a patient because this is not a business 
you might be running a business, but I'm running some nursing over here. So what I'm not fixing to do is treat this person like a customer. Amen to that. I mean, I feel like we're in church now. So I had a real problem. That's where y'all got me all the way fucked up. And if I can't change and influence the situation for better, I'm out. Because what you're not going to do, what I can't compromise is my peace and my integrity. I can't. It's all I got. Okay. So I did my best. And when I realized I was outnumbered, I said, okay, cool. I'm gonna back out of this, but trust the Lord's still working in my life. So I went into home health because I said, why? why? So, so what I saw in women's health, especially, especially with labor and delivery, I said, Lord, what, what is happening? And here's the thing. When you ask God to show you something, he going to show you. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, come into home health. I'm like, Lord, I'll use me, but Lord, I can't stay in the hospital. And, and so he put me in home health. And when I say he, I asked, my intuition guided me, the universe lined up and put me in that position. Okay. That's exactly Um, what I'm thinking when I'm like, okay, he intuition, these are the same. So when I pray, when you put out your intention and whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, I'm just what I did. I prayed and I said, God, I want to keep nursing. I want to keep serving, but I can't stay here. And so I just put out that intention and that allowed other opportunities to show up. So I went into home health and I got to see, oh, here's the problem. Okay. Okay. And after several years of home health, and then I did a couple of years as a radiation oncology nurse and God was showing me this whole time. It was all part of this bigger plan. Because what I saw, what was lacking is we were treating the body and we were doing a pretty good job. Western medicine does a pretty decent job of treating the body. We do all right. We're getting there with the mind, with the mental health, with psychiatry. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're trying. But nowhere do we treat the spirit. No, you can't treat two aspects of an individual and expect them to be well and whole. You can't do it. When you're ignoring the third totally ignoring it. And the thing about the third is that's where all of these come from. Mm -hmm. The spirit affects everything, the mental stress and anxiety, stress, fear, worry, doubt, spiritual affliction. You can't take an x-ray. You can't do a blood test. It's a spiritual affliction. So when I saw what I've seen over the course of my 22 years of nursing, and we've been treating all these diseases, we've been treating things and we're getting part of the equation, right? But there's a big part of the equation that we are missing. And that's why people aren't being well. People are not well being because nobody's treating the spirit. That's why I became a soul coach because that's where I see the biggest need. Because if I'm still waking up every day and saying, God, use me, how can I serve? There's plenty of people treating the mind, plenty of treating people, people treating the body. It's not enough people treating the spirit in this way. Mm-hmm. People can go to church, they can go to mosque, they can go to temple. But again, that's still not, still not the bigger, the bigger aspect of treating the spirit. When you treat the spirit, everything's affected, the mind and the body. When you treat the body, the mind, maybe not so much and probably really not the spirit. So if we can get to the root cause, if you go in for a wound, if you go in for, for anything, they're going to try to figure out, okay, well, we're going to do some tests and we're trying to figure out what's causing this. I just don't believe in band-aids. I don't believe in treating the symptoms. It's absolute bullshit. 
but it makes money, right? It's good business, right. which if you're going to have clients, it's a real good business. You want to keep them coming back, right? I'm interested in, in curing the, the root cause. And so that's why I do what I do now to get to those, those generational curses, those generational traumas, those things that are handed down. We're learning more about epigenetics where we know that we can activate our DNA in a certain way, you know, all this. And lots of people talk about this, you know, people will call it different things. And of course, names and labels have emotional attachment to, you know, if you say something like holistic people automatically discount it. If you say alternative, automatically it's less than. So I don't like to label things, but there's all sorts of exciting things that have been at the forefront. That's just not traditional Western medicine. So of course, insurance is going to pay for it. People are going to be leery, things like that. So I'm doing what I can do in my soul coaching to at least get people to help them to understand there's a reason why you're not getting well. We have more technological advancements than we've ever had as a planet we have more diagnostic you know things that we can do than we ever have we have more treatments available yet we're sicker than we've ever been we see more autoimmune disease than we ever have the definition of autoimmune autoimmune disease is literally the body attacking itself but yet nobody thought to figure out why and where that's coming from and instead of just throwing meds at it do you see what I'm saying? And the best part of all of this is if you go, if you are having issues with fertility as a woman and you see a fertility specialist, they're going to recommend acupuncture because they know there's something to it. But yet outside of that, you're not seeing anybody else talking about acupuncture. Acupuncture is literally putting a needle in a mini chakra. Oh, you say chakra. Now I'm automatically people. You lost them. Yeah. Literally, right. They've turned it off. They've turned it off. If we're they were to do a little, just a little research as to what acupuncture was, they'd realize, oh shit. So they'll do that. They'll do the acupuncture for the fertility because the doctor said that's what that would help, but they won't take it deeper. Why? Because they're afraid. Oh, because what if everything I've learned is wrong? Hmm. What if everything I've believed is wrong? Okay. But look at all the things that we've been taught and are believing, like the world is crashing down around us. It is time to start questioning these things and saying like, dude, maybe what I believe isn't right. And maybe there's something better. There has got to be better than what we've got now. I mean, I feel like we are on rock bottom and then I wake up the next day and I'm like, well, we did go a couple inches deeper today. But what you have is the ego brain. This is what we are fighting every day. That's a real battle. It's the battle yeah. of the mind, which is not new. People have been writing about this for years. This is not a new concept. But when you challenge somebody, so, so when I say, well, why would your doctor recommend acupuncture? They won't even know. Okay, well, do you know that they're putting a needle in either in between many chakras to improve the energy flow? <laughs> and they just, that they're going to stop. They're going to shut down. Why? The ego brain goes, I don't know anything about that, but they're challenging our belief system. So, you know, fuck them. They don't know what they're talking about. It's just immediate, that ego brain. Our brain is wired to keep us alive, not keep us happy. Wow, that's powerful. People do not realize as soon as they start spinning out of control, as soon as you challenge them on their belief system, that it's just, they're just fighting that ego brain. And so again, so now look, if we want to talk about metaphysics, now we're talking about spiritual alchemy. If you want to talk Christianity, we're talking about the battlefield of the mind, Joyce Myers, right? 
I don't care where, whatever, however you want to apply it, it's applicable. And we people, there's been tons of books written on it. Doesn't matter. You can call it whatever you want. But we're all talking about the Freudian ego, the ego brain that's tied to those belief systems. Because if I find out that maybe black people aren't subpar, and here I've been bashing black people my whole life. My God, what does that mean? Does that mean I was wrong? Does that mean I'm a bad person? Oh my God, absolutely not. The ego brain's like, no, fuck that. You're amazing. You're perfect. Fuck what they said. And then you keep stay tied to that belief because my God, it's an ego death. Because who am I if I'm not these, these things? So in my soul coaching, I teach people belief is just a thought and a thought can be changed. That's all it is. But we're so committed to it. Why? Because I'm afraid that, holy shit, maybe I've really been a shitty person all these mm-hmm. years. But right. then I reassure them. You didn't know what you didn't know. And at any given time, we are doing the best we can with what we've been given. And some of us were given a plate of shit and we didn't know that there was anything different. So we were doing the best we could with that. So we don't get to beat ourselves up, but that's what happened. So that's, that's my TED talk. You (laughs) are super hippie, crunchy, all the words. And again, I, I avoid labels, but I'm all the things. But, but that's like, that's not on your stuff. It's on my website. Now, if you look at my sessions, uh, read my website, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a psychic. I'm a medium, but nurses, yep. nurses, nurses can't be there's the thing, but nurses are so intuitive. Yes. So again, this is the other thing that you got. People will say, Oh, that's horse shit. Okay. Hold up. Just fucking hold your tits for a second. Got them. How many nurses have said, I don't know, doc, there's something going on. Come on, all of them. Yes, yes, and everyone takes us seriously. It's no different than a mother's intuition. Yeah. It's intuition. It's your God-given ability. That's what keeps people right. I mean, that's why you're a nurse. That's why you went to school and you were like, I don't know why I can't get out of this, but I am called to be a nurse. Right, exactly. So it was through my nursing that I developed my other gifts. It was through my nursing that I developed that God allowed these other gifts to awaken to, and, and, and as I saw, you know, when you go on that hunch, I'll never forget. I had a patient. She was like two days post-op C-section. She kept spiking these high fevers. And of course she was on amp, gent, clindamycin, like, oh God, of course, but they still couldn't find the source of infection. She kept spiking and I knew she had blood clots. I knew it. I just, I knew it with a knowing. I just knew it. Now, again, if you want to go, oh, her spirit guides were telling me, oh, her higher self was telling me, oh, I could see it. I could feel, I don't care. Whatever you, whatever makes you comfortable. I don't care. But I knew she had blood clots. And I told this one doctor, she was a good friend of mine. I said, I need you to listen to me. She was a resident. I said, I need you. I was like, I need you to do a CT scan. I know it don't make sense, but I'm telling you, I need you to do the CT scan. And she's like, all right. So she ordered it, came back to work the next day. She had seven blood clots. So here's what I'm saying. Oh, I just got full body chills. So I had no evidence. She had no swelling. There was no, there was no obvious sign, but I knew. And thank God I, for the, without fear of looking ridiculous, I don't care. So what? Okay. So I was wrong. It's not going to kill me, but I fought for it and I knew I was right. And then the CT proved it. And the doctor said, you saved her life. That's all the fucking confirmation I needed. I don't need anybody else to validate my intuition, my psychic gifts, my mediumship. 
don't need any fucking body validating shit. I've got my validation a million times over. So what that did was reinforce my confidence. All those times when you're like, I know something, and then you investigate it and sure shit, that's all your validation that you need. And you trust that. And when you go, okay, God, cool. All right, I'm gonna trust. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, let me show you what else I got. And I'm like, all right, cool. What else you got? And he's like, all right, well, I'm glad you asked because here's some more shit. <laughs> so again, I use that. I don't advertise myself as a psychic medium because I'm not a John Edwards who you can come and talk to all of your loved ones. I use the psychic and the mediumship as part of how I help people get to the root of the patterns they keep seeing playing out in their life, the root of their dis-ease, their dis-ease, things like that. So if their loved ones come in, but there's something I'm meant to see to help them see. So that's how those gifts play out in the work that I do. I'm also, I don't like the word medical medium, but with the energy healing aspect of it because we're an energetic spiritual body so we hold those unprocessed emotions within our physical body so I do help people release unprocessed stored emotion and again that, that's somatic experience y'all none of this shit is new none of this shit is new Dr. Peter Levine is like the forefront of somatic experience he did like the most work with like PTSD he knew that it wasn't enough to talk to like the EMDR and oh let's just talk about he knew that the body went through a reliving a physical reliving. So again, this is all y'all, it's all out there. This is nothing. This isn't like something I created, but I, I use my particular skill set, my particular gifts and use them in the way that God has directed me to do in my work to help people release those things from their own body. I also do Reiki, do all kinds of shit. So listen, hear me out. Ready. Jesus as a teacher, Jesus as a healer, Jesus as a really cool dude. Even you don't have to be Christian. You don't have to, whatever, right? Okay. Because even people who, in academics will we they acknowledge the bible as a historical text so again you don't have to be a christian i'm saying this has been widely accepted as again a historical text okay so take jesus it was nothing for him to heal the afflicted nothing so we have documented the women the woman with the issue of blood who Jesus is in a crowd. He's walking through a crowded street. He's starting to gather attention. And she's a woman. So she has to be in the back, right? She can't be in the forefront with the men. But she's like, man, I've had this affliction of the blood for like 17 years. I can't, I, I just know if I can touch the hem of his robe, I know that I'll be healed. She's on the ground crawling and she like takes this leap and just swipes the bottom of his robe. Instantly she's healed. Instantly. Now we're talking about Jesus. Jesus knows all. He knew what had happened. He didn't need to make a spectacle but he liked to teach a lesson. Jesus loved to make a show of things to help people learn in all kinds of ways. So he stops the crowd and he turns around. He goes, who has touched my rope? No one full well who it was, but he has to make a point, right? This is a teachable moment. And every good teacher makes the most of every moment, teachable moment. So he turns around, he says, who is, who has touched my robe? I felt healing go out of me. And the woman goes, it was I, it was me. Again, he already knew it. And he says, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. He didn't have to say it. She got the healing she came for. The bleeding stopped immediately. He needed to speak to her spirit. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. It was always there. We never saw it. It was always there. He wanted to speak to her spirit because he knew she needed that 
spiritual healing. She needed her spirit to be spoken to. Peace. So we have stress, which is an affliction a lot of people deal with. So what's the opposite of stress? Peace. And if we protected our peace at all costs, we wouldn't maybe see so much autoimmune disease, the body literally attacking itself. Your body might not need to attack itself if there weren't something that it felt was being charged on it, that it needed to fight. So where's that coming from? What would Jesus say? Jesus would say, have peace. Jesus was always putting the power back in the people. You don't need a healer. You are your own healer. You've just forgotten. That's one thing that I do is help remember people remember their own healing capabilities. So if I can help people have faith in themselves, faith in something greater than themselves, then they won't need healers. They won't need me. They just need their own faith and their own peace and to keep that at their center. Jesus knew damn well we were going to have trials and tribulations. You wouldn't need to leave somebody peace that they were going to have a peaceful life. Mm -hmm. Like, here's some peace. You're going to need it because y'all going to face some things. So we always had the medicine. We had faith and peace. We always had the medicine. We just didn't use it. And then things got out of control and created major disease in the body. But it's never too late. If you have breath, there's hope. And if you're alive, there's hope. So, yeah. I can talk. You're just gonna have to stop me if you just want me to, because I'll just talk about this, honey. I'll sit here, honey. We'll, I'll order in some Uber Eats, but we can sit here talking about this all night if you want to. One potty break, and I'll be good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wait, you've dropped so many just like mind bombs on us today. I think that one of the biggest things that I had to unravel. I'm originally from Mississippi. I may live in Boston now, but I'm actually a very small town Mississippi girl at heart, and I'll never lose that part of me. But when I did leave Mississippi. I just hopped right over to state lines into Alabama and that was a little bit different. And then I really did jump all the way up to Boston and I was mind blown and I was broken for a little bit because I just realized how much I didn't know and how much I had like lived in a fishbowl. And there was a lot of emotions about like, man, I have lived a life that I actually thought was good and solid and it wasn't. And it's because I didn't know. I think there's a piece of you that may always feel guilty for something like that. But yeah, it's something that you said earlier too was being able to care for your patients regardless of your own personal beliefs. And I think that is something that's really beat out of people, which is kind of goes into what you just left us with was, you know, we always had the medicine, but we didn't use it. For so long, we were taught how not to use it. It was stripped from us. If you were witchy and a healer, you were burning at the stake. If you were a midwife, you were stealing money from the white male doctors. You were practicing all these really crazy illegal things when really we were just trying to keep us on the straight and narrow. Yeah. You know, nursing dates back, yeah, prior to traditional medicine, which oh my God, so primal. People think Western medicine now is just the end all be all. And it's like traditional Eastern medicine predates Jesus. When you look at the history of Western medicine, if you look at where that comes from, how it was just for white men, only white men could afford to go to medical school. Now we're talking about sexism. Now we're talking about women's suffrage. 
now we're talking about female suppression. We're talking about the toxic patriarchy. Like there's layers to it where women were pushed out of medicine, even though that's all, all you had were the village healers. You had the local healers that you went to. And indigenous medicine well before that. Again, predates Jesus. It predates America as we know it now. It predates all of that. I want to speak to what you said, he, he, you know, Brene Brown says, shame says I'm a bad person. Guilt says I did something bad. So we can say I did something bad and I'm going to make that right by educating myself, learning everything I can and making sure that moving forward, I don't do it again and spreading the message. At some point, the other thing that Jesus taught was about forgiveness and forgiveness is an energy. Peace is an energy. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. Again, those are all faith, peace, hope, faith, and love. All fruits of the spirit. You can't market that. That's why the drug companies don't want you talking about it. Because you can't market that because it's free, right? You just have to teach it. So when we have that guilt about something we've done, you have to let forgiveness enter the chat. There's so many reasons why we struggle with forgiveness, especially self-forgiveness. The reason why we struggle forgiving others is because we won't even forgive ourselves because we think we're supposed to be punished that's what we learned. We were taught reward and punishment. That's what we were taught growing up. That's how they got, that was behavioral modification. If you want this desired behavior from your child, this is what you're going to have to do. Reward and punishment. Like that, that's how most of us were raised. So most people think you're going to behave or this is going to happen. It's reward and punishment. Whereas my belief about God is it's just unconditional love. By the way, if your love has conditions, it ain't love. There is only unconditional love because love in and of itself is without conditions. You might be acting like an asshole and I don't want to take part in that. You know why? Because you're fucking with my peace and peace I over still everything. Love you. Still love you. Not going to act out against you, but you fucking with my peace. And that's the most important thing to me. If I let you affect my peace, now I'm going to start having physical issues, mental issues. Mm-hmm. Because I've come out of alignment. Our heart is the center of our being. A lot of people think it's our solar plexus. It's our core down here. It's your heart is the center. We have the earthly chakras below. We have the spiritual chakras above. It's the one thing that combines us. Our heart, man, it's where the divine meets the earth. This is how God expresses itself through the heart. This is divine incarnate on the earthly plane. This is how we pull down the etheric into this dense earthly plane is through the heart chakra. So if there's anything, including that, like unforgiveness, sadness, fear, shame, resentment, you're not going to live to that fullest expression of yourself. You're not, I'd rather have a heart full of compassion than a heart full of resentment. So, okay, what do we got to do? We got to heal that resentment, do some forgiveness. But people have, again, misconceptions about forgiveness. Well, if I forgive, then that means what happened was okay. And I'll be damned. I'm not going to do that. I got to punish them every day. It's a lot of energy taken away from your peace. Because if you're busy punishing your husband for cheating on you, you got no time for peace and love and compassion. So you got to decide what's more important. I have a whole class about forgiveness. I have a whole empowerment series. And I talk about forgiveness. And again, the misconceptions of forgiveness just means I release 
resentment and anger. I just refuse to be angry about this anymore. Now I can have boundaries and that's another place where people get fucked up. They think mm-hmm. if I forgive you, then that means I have to let you back in my life. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. That's called boundaries. And a lot of us weren't taught boundaries either, especially mm-hmm. women. Well, we were taught the opposite of boundaries. What boundaries meant was other people and not on us, which is, I think my brain is spinning, Missy, but it has a lot to do with nurses, how I believe how nurses were brought up in white supremacy culture, which you've been sharing about and the sexism, the racism, the stay in your place the servitude type second class citizen a totally. men could afford to go to medical school so where did that leave the midwives and, and the other they had to become nurses a handmaiden for them and everyone else like it's violent to be a nurse it's violent with patients it's violent with co-workers like you said there's a lot of noise in there that makes it confusing and it's hard to maintain your peace it's hard to fucking know what peace is without all this I did not know I was coming to church today and did not know I needed it. And if I had, I would have canceled. <laughs> Me too. I don't Aww. think I would have showed up. Aww. We would have canceled. <laughs> Yeah, this is what we needed. We can talk about anything. We can talk about. No, these are my questions. And here you are. I'm not a medical medium. No, you just, I don't know what brain, what like reading my mind is, but that's what you did. You did that today. I don't like the term medical medium because people are out there using it that ought not be. I still don't really know what it is, but you said that. And I was like, well, because labels are tied to ego. Because that's like a saviorism, right? White savior complex, I think is. And there's just um, people mislabeling themselves. Yeah. Just mislabeling. And so, so people will go to a medical medium and that medical medium has no medical history whatsoever. So they really don't know what they're talking about, mm. but they really think that they do. So again, I just don't like those labels because it's tied to ego. So what other questions did you what last thing? What else? What else you got written down on that paper, Landy? Well, you already did it. That's the that's the okay thing right. that's got me fucked up. Is <laughs> all right. So what's a soul coach? All right, we figured that out. Okay, so soul um, coach. Yeah. So what, said, may I define that? Soul coach is someone who helps another person live in alignment with their truth. So that means I meet every culture, every religion, and my client base is so diverse. Mm-hmm. Every gender, every color, every, oh, it's all represented because it's not you living in alignment with my truth. Right. It's helping you figure out what is your truth? What is true for you? What does peace mean to you? People say, everybody says, well, I just want to be happy. Cool. That's that's a great place to start. But what does that look like for you? And also helping people understand that your role, your identity is not tied to your role. Helping people understand that their identity, what is, what is again, helping people figure out, okay, what does it mean? What is your identity to you? Again, not what I, not what I think. I have no ulterior motive. I'm just like helping people know that their identity, their divine identity in that, in that, in that soul perspective right. and then helping them understand their purpose in life. Why are they here? Because if you understand what you're here to do, then you have experienced more fulfillment. So many people are walking around without peace and stress because they don't even know who they are, what the fuck they're doing here. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I didn't have to ask because I got it. Okay. Okay. Because people always go, well, what's a soul coach? 
It's like, well, it's no different than a life coach, executive coach. We've heard of coaching all these years. Let's soul coach specifically going to help you figure out what is your center and your core and help you live in alignment with that. Basically meaning get rid of all the clutter that's keeping you from your fucking peace, man. Yeah. And you don't have to be a nurse. So you're not just a nurse coach. It's literally anyone who wants to find that alignment in life. So if you're listening out there and you're like, oh, but I'm not a nurse, you don't have to be. Oh, I see all kinds. Oh, no, I see all kinds of people from all over the world, all over the world. All right, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Sorry, Mandy. No, don't be sorry. This is what's needed. And perhaps folks who are listening, who aren't here and who aren't he, he, and me aren't feeling what's going on here, but I got the message a couple times <laughs> today. So then I asked, well, you say you help people heal themselves. What the fuck does that mean? Yes. Got it. You answered okay. that. Do you think this applies to clinicians? I think primarily <laughs> who is stressed. I mean, that's what I know because I am a nurse. I came from that space that you described. You came from that space that you described and you're not, you don't even know what I experienced. And I could totally relate with, I was stressed. It was hard to keep my peace. It was hard to stay in alignment. It wasn't worth it, or it was impossible to do good in the place that I was at is what I've heard you saying. So you said, where can I do this? Where can I go to do this? Is this like, am I going to home birth? Am I going to not be a nurse? Like, what is this going to look like? Because you figured out how to feel peace and alignment. And then you needed to go where that was. And then I was going to ask you, how are you a nurse now? And you answered that like six times. Like these are the skills that you learned. You learned to hone your intuition. You learned to listen to your intuition. You learned to hone your alignment and you're giving. And when I talk to nurses and they say, Mandy, that I talk to my patient about autonomy. I talk to my patient about an informed choice. I talk to my patient about all their options and they did the thing that they were pushed to do that I knew they didn't want. And I'm like, hold on. You're the glimmer. You're the first glimmer. You're the glimmer. That's like, no bitch, you don't have to do that. They're the first time anyone ever said that. Because that's what I truly believe in my core is you decide and you have innate wisdom and I will follow you and I'll give you what you need. You've got questions. You need support. You need love. You need a, uh-huh. You need a hold hand. You need to throw up in a bucket. I got you, but you have the innate wisdom. You make the choice. And that was the glimmer. I was like, you're the glimmer during birth. Like everything's unfolding. And you're like, pluck, pluck that glimmer right in the middle of their core. When, when they're unraveled in the most beautiful way. I was like, they're going to go and teach their kids that, right? They're going to go do that. They're going to go to their six week appointment different. They're going to ask for a two week appointment. And they've never called and asked for something out of the box ever in their life. Cause they were told be quiet, sit down, do your job. So that's the empowerment. That is knowing that you have a choice. Let me tell you something. I will get out of a car in a Starbucks drive through line. Let me tell you the guy who gave me my coffee the other day, I was, he was like, how's your weekend? I was like, it was great. How was yours? He's like, well, I had to get up at five. I said, oh, you had to, somebody came and got you out of your bed. He's like, well, no, I mean, I had to come to work. I was like, oh, you had to. Well, yeah, I had to. Mm. And he was like, don't do me dirty, Missy. Ma'am, can you just take your coffee? Ma'am. And he was like, here's your coffee. I was like, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I can't stand it when an adult person. Now look, when we were children, zero to 18, during those developmental years, Different. You were a victim of your environment. You couldn't fight or fly. You were just fucking stuck. So I'm not talking about that. 
someone as an adult. So when I hear an adult say, well, I had to do this. No, you got me fucked up because I can't. When I hear that, there's a few key words that I hear and I'll go, "Mm, let's talk about that. But inner authority is not something that's cultivated. We're told what to eat. We're told what to wear. We're told what to drink. We're told what to believe. We're told all these things, what you can be, which can't be, which can do, which can't do. We're told everything. We have to have authority figures over us. We have to have a police state. We have to have government. Well, I didn't know we we're going here today, Jesus. All right, that's fine. And so we haven't cultivated any inner power, inner authority, which is our solar plexus, by the way, that's right below our breastbone and right above our, our belly button. So that's that solar plexus. A lot of people will say, oh, I have butterflies. Oh, my gut's telling me I shouldn't do that because it's going to make me unhappy. But my mom said I had to. So that's our gut, our solar plexus. That's our fire, our passion for life. So when we've taken away that inner authority as a child, the zero to 18, when you've taken away, when a kid says, oh, I'll wear this to school. And they go, and the parent goes, you can't wear that to school. And the kid's like, so we slowly take their imagination. That's also imagination here as well, which by the way, imagination is kind of the same energy as intuition. So again, it's all suppressed in childhood. Lord, I didn't know we was doing all this today, Jesus. Okay. I'm digging it. Please okay. get on deck. <laughs> So again, it's just that, that it's the same, it's, it's a similar energy. Anyway, this is how we, the work is connected to our patients, is connected to our kids, is connected to our parents. It's what it's we're taught. Right. And so your kid says, well, I want to wear this. That's part of their imagination, their own creativity, their inner authority. Again, this is solar plexus. And then the parent goes, you can't do that. That's ugly. That's stupid. Whatever. They're going to laugh at you. It's not acceptable by society. And you do that every day for 18 years. So when the kid leaves... They've got no, their solar plexus is like that big. It's an undeveloped solar plexus and their imagination has been suppressed and their intuition has been suppressed as well because our intuition is our mind's eye. Well, how can I see anything in my mind's eye if my imagination has been suppressed? So we haven't cultivated inner power. So we don't know that we have a choice. We weren't taught. Every decision was made for us. We were put in this very narrow box. Adulting is unlearning all that shit that we were taught, by the way, from parents who I believe were always doing the best they could with what they had. So we don't get to be angry at our parents because here's the thing. Tony Robbins will tell you if you're going to be mad at your parents for what they did to you, you're going to, you know, talk about all the shit they did. You're also going to have to give them credit for all the good things too. I would not be the woman I am today had it not been for my parents being the parents that they were. I wouldn't have needed to unlearn the things if I had not been taught them in the first place and therefore go out and teach others. I have to give them the credit for the good and the bad. And a lot of people don't like to do that. Like just like to be bad at their parents and blame it on them. Okay, that's fine. But where's your power? It's outside of you. I can't find it. I don't know. Where's my power? I don't know. It's in my parents. It's in my grandparents. It's in the people, the teachers, the police. It's in the government. So we're talking about inner power and inner authority. So when you as a nurse are standing there as an advocate and say, you ain't got to do this. Now here's what's going to happen if you do. And here's what's going to happen if you don't. I'm not attached to the outcome because I'm not emotionally involved in that. I don't have to go on and live your life. People who try to unalive themselves and now are living in, you know, states that they, in conditions that, you know, are really unbearable. There's lots of 
things that we have emotional conflict with that we want to inflict our belief system on because it makes us uncomfortable. And that's the bottom fucking line. You don't like it because it makes you fucking uncomfortable because you have to question your own belief system. That's all. You don't actually give a shit about him. If you gave a shit, you'd go take care of him now. Oh Lord, now I'm rolled up. But I'm just saying, yeah. as an advocate, again, we're just there with them for a short amount of time. We don't have to go and live their life no. after. So yeah, an advocate is just that. It's an advocate. I advocate for what for you, for what you for what you think. Lord, I done got off topic. Lord, y'all ain't gonna have me back on this show. That's okay. No, not at all. You just described my entire philosophy about being a doula. And so I've been in the doula industry for about seven years now. And I've been able to see how so many people don't come to it with that. They only want you to have unmedicated labors. They only want you to have a home birth. They only want you to do it this way. And when I first got into the industry, I was like, wow, this is not what I took away from <laughs> and this right. is different. I had envisioned something a little bit different. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I don't think this is it. And so I literally created what I had envisioned in class. And we are very different than your traditional doula service. And we are shaking shit up and it feels good. And it, it used to really pull me out of alignment when people would be like, you're doing it so differently. Like something's wrong with you. Like don't mm -hmm. hire her. That's not what a doula is. And now it feels good. Now I can see, I did do the work to grow and I can now finally see like, I understand it's kind of threatening and it feels uncomfortable to see how I'm being a doula, but you don't have to do it this way. I'm doing it this way and this is my business and you can have your own business and you can totally do it any way that you want, whether that be the traditional way or something that you've made up. And I think that's super special. I think if I had to pinpoint one overarching main theme of healthcare as a non-medical professional, I would say that is it. That everybody in healthcare has got some sort of agenda and nobody is prioritizing patients except the people here and there like Mandy in Virginia and you where you are and me in Boston. And that is actually how I feel. I feel like the main overarching problem is that everyone's got an agenda somehow yeah. some way but that's why we have these conversations because there are people who are afraid to live their truth this is the year especially this is the year of the female entrepreneur women going I don't want to do it this way I don't want to work within the confines of this now as nurses we have to work in the, within the scope of our practice within our board of nursing but we do not have to work within the confines of what our nurse managers have decided based on their own bias, based on their own lens of experience, et cetera, et cetera. But we are governed by that government body of, the, of working within our scope. That's one reason why I love being a soul coach. Ain't nobody governing me. All inner authority. I'm all in alignment with peace and integrity. I love the autonomy of it because I get to do me and my client get to do what is best for them not what a governing board says I have to do I don't know if you've picked up on this I have a little bit of a trouble with authority I don't like anybody way. dictating to me what because I think people do know what's best for them without having to read a policy and procedure manual so what's great about these conversations is we are lighting the way we're called way showers path showers pathfinders Jesus was a way shower he was a light bringer a big fan again of empowering people you get up come over here you can. You don't have to sit there like a victim. 
asking for what you need. He gave people back their power. So these conversations are important. It can seem overwhelming and it can seem daunting. Like, man, are we ever going to get there? And the answer is yes. And we're going to get there faster than you might think. Because these conversations let people know that there's hope. And that we just have to hold that light and anchor in that light for others. Because you have to speak your truth, even if your voice shakes, even if it quivers. You have to stand there and hold the light. Because we are lighting the way for others. And that will be our legacy. We're taking our power back as women, as a community of women, as a community of female caregivers, just like we have for millennia, returning back to our authenticity, standing in our truth. And if they burn us again, they burn us. We'll just keep coming back stronger, but our legacy lives on. And that's why it's so important. If you're feeling tugged, if you know you're being pulled in a different direction, it's so important that you answer that call. Even though you don't know how that might work out and how it's going to play out, you're going to have to just trust. And that's where faith comes in and says, I don't know how this is. I know this is the calling. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust, I surrender, and I have faith. And then it works out better than you can ever imagine. It's important for people to get clear on their core values. I do business mentoring as well as spiritual mentoring to help people understand, okay, well, I want to start this business, but, you know, I don't know. How do I make sure it stays in alignment? Write a personal mission statement. What's important to you? And if you find you're doing anything outside of that, you know you've come out of alignment. Okay, well, how do I get back in alignment? How can I bring my core values back into the situation, back into the work that I'm doing. You are so, so hopeful, Missy. Yeah, there's so much hope, man. And the other thing that's beautiful about this, I swear I'm going to get off Jesus. When Jesus comes back and Mary Magdalene, who goes back to the tomb to care for the body, Jesus shows himself to her first, a woman. Not the other disciples, not men. He shows, he reveals himself to her. I think we as women need to really remember that. Our place is very important. And even though others will doubt us and discount us, we have to know our own strength and our own inner power, whether it's being validated or not, because it will scare the shit out of people because they will have to admit that we have really been wronged. It's no different than a lot of other cultures and races and things, genders that have been wronged. And it takes a lot of strength for people to go, wow, I really fucked up. Mm-hmm. I really feel guilty about that, but I'm going to try to come back from it. And not everybody's got that in them. Not everybody's got that. And that's okay. I always, I say, I hope, I pray that the people that are cheering for you are always louder than the, louder than the people who are not cheering for you that are cheering and booing against you, but they might not always be. Might not always be the case. So just persevere regardless because God is with us. And God is on our side always. Missy, Thank how you, people Missy. work with you if they wanted to have your business coaching or your spiritual coaching or any of the support that you provide? They can just go to my website, www.nursemissy.com. And there's an about me page that gives you a little bit more information about me. Make sure I really resonate with you. Make sure you're somebody that you, I'm somebody you want to work with and your spirit will tell you, your intuition will tell you, but this is basically what you're going to get is this spirit-based, faith-based practice to help you figure out what do you need? And that's always my ask. As soon as they sit down, I say, how can I help you? What do you need? What do you want more of? Where do you feel stuck? 
and then we just go from there and let it organically come into fruition. Yeah. So just look from our website. Yeah. I already want more of this. I already know. I already love it. And yesterday we really, like, if I had known what was going on, it, this would have been a different conversation, I think. And we came in like, we're just going to have a few questions and we're going to be open. And you were like, I don't know you, I'll talk to you. And I am so grateful for that. And the thing that you were talking, you're taking us to church. And I was like, I don't know. I already said, I don't know. I already said, (laughs) but then I gave you my like, Oh, this is okay. And I had to qualify as for no reason (laughs) last night. And you like picked up on that. I'm thankful for that (laughs) making space for that. And then last night, my kids said, mama, do you think, cause you know, I already said, you know, we're not religious and Mm -hmm. this and that. We talk about the spirit. We talk about intuition. We talk about our gut, things like that. Mm -hmm. And my son said, mama, do you think Jesus was in the U S where did that come from? Oh, I just don't know where he lived, but where do you think he lived in the United States? I think he did. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how, I always think, how do I answer the Jesus questions when my kids ask the Jesus? And I'm like, yep. I think according to the story, he was not in the U S but where do you think? And he said, yeah, maybe. And he named off a couple places that he knew outside of the U S and it was a good conversation. And it just got mm. me ready and thinking for That's a great the historical question. story. If you decide to explore that more, which, you know, kids will go on to the next right. topic, but man, if you want to explore that, if you sit with a map with him and show him exactly where Jesus was born, you talk about the cities and help guide, you know, op- ask those open into questions. So what color do you think Jesus was? If we know this based on this area and let's look at pictures of people mm-hmm. from this area. It's not white Jesus. And we know this real close to Egypt and we know about the first early civilizations. It's a great opportunity a great, yeah. for geography, culture, religion. Jesus wasn't a Christian. Language. He didn't have a Bible. Language, right. Jesus right. didn't have a church. There was no word for church. Jesus had a community and they met in people's kitchens. And it was the women who brought him into their homes and fed him, nourished him. Those were the churches. Those were the women who supported him and supported his ministry. It was the women who brought him in. So church doesn't even have to enter into the equation. The Bible doesn't have to enter into the equation because Jesus had neither of those. He did not have a church. He did not have a Bible and he was not a Christian. So you can have that conversation mm-hmm. about geography and culture. Jesus was a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. They called him rabbi. So it's a great opportunity. It's yeah. a good start, but I yeah. have a lot of good starts from this conversation. And I'm yeah. really thankful for your time and energy and expertise and openness and honesty. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me. Yeah. This challenge was nice. It's nice to be challenged in what you've always thought and you know this is just my perspective these are just my thoughts and I hope I never try to convince anybody to believe something that that they don't want to but I know I haven't been given the conviction of the spirit and I know that these words will land and it will at least make people think and that's all that I want be a catalyst for introspection a catalyst for awareness. That's all. I think it did just that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
<laughs> I think it, it's great timing for me. It from he's face, it's great timing for he. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we like pulled from you, and I feel like wonder if your day is exhausting after something like this. If you'll go take a nap or go for a walk. This is invigorating. So after this, I will immediately go and just move around. I might go walk outside, <clears throat> but this is invigorating for me. These are the conversations that I live for. These are the opportunities that are such a blessing. This is why I always say yes when somebody invites me to a conversation because you just never know when you don't, when I go in without an agenda and I just ask God again, how can I show up as love today? Then I don't worry. I'm like always just open to Okay, how can I bring love in? How can I bring, you know, those things in? So this is invigorating to me. It stirs my spirit. I can do this all day. This is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for. Thank you so much, Missy. Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank we'll, you so much. We'll put all of your links down below so it's easy to click and we will see you on TikTok. Thank y'all so much. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.